Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Uriyidi. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we take a moment to acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to connect with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness in their individual journeys. Our hope is to encourage you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. I must admit I've had the incredible opportunity along this journey to connect and learn from a diverse and always inspiring array of guests with an impactful story to tell. Today's guest is no exception. In fact, I have to admit what an exciting surprise it was when he accepted my invitation to be a featured guest on the program. If you've ever come across Thierry Nadal's talks, interviews, and overall content, then you're already very familiar with his particular dose of energetic and impactful motivation. As the founder and president of Influence Orbis, the number one entrepreneurial and influencer movement in Canada, as well as being the founder of Remax Griffintown, Thierry embodies the kind of wisdom and ambitious spirit that was not only bred from a very young age, but has also quite obviously fueled his many achievements throughout his career. His is a story of audacity, curiosity, resilience and consistency that we can definitely learn from as well as apply in our own lives. An amazing exchange which I do hope you'll enjoy. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 79 with Thierry Lindor. Here we go. I never shy away from these little nuggets of appreciation. Because for me, last year, there's one post. Everybody has their best nines on Instagram. Yeah. For me, one post that really, really tugged at my heartstrings. And you know what I'm talking about. Your, your haircut with your son. Yeah. For me, that was like one of the most heartwarming and touching events. And for everybody, right? For people who don't know the story, um, I just want, to, want you to walk us through that one. Because for me, it's just a picture. But as a father of a young child, of, of a young son myself... I totally understand the importance of a parent and, you know, just supporting your child's dreams or, you know, their tantrums or their little whims. And I just want to see, just, just to start off the conversation, what was that conversation like? Well, it's, uh, my son actually is, um, his name is Shiloh, Shiloh Yassin Lindor. And uh, Shiloh is a big fan of Drake. He's three and a half years old. Uh, every time God's plan comes on in the car, Anytime we don't watch TV that much at home, mm-hmm. um, we we have a TV, but we just don't watch it that much. But there's a song that he likes, and it's definitely it's God's God's plan. So um, when we would get home, he would ask me, "Daddy, can I see God's plan?" So we showed him the video. He became even more addicted, and he realized that the singer um, had a certain haircut, and then he started to say, "Hey, I want that haircut as well." So we took him. <laughs> Took him to the barber shop one morning. I said, "Hey, Shiloh, guess what? Today we're gonna we're gonna drive in your mom's car, and uh, on our way there, we're gonna listen to God's plan on repeat, and then we're gonna get you to look like Drake." He was super excited, and then he got into the got into the chair. It was his first haircut ever. I never cut my son's hair. Uh, I wanted to to let it grow until he asked me to cut it, and then he did. So we we took him there and. Uh, yeah, got his haircut, didn't say nothing. He was excited, actually. Obviously, the first time the, the, the blade touches his head, went like this. It was noisy. We put some music on. And then after he cut his hair, he was super excited. He looks at me and he goes, Daddy, Daddy, look, I'm like God's plan. I'm like Drake. I'm like Drake. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks amazing. You even got the little line. And he goes, okay, now your turn. And I literally, literally, <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, at that very moment, I said I could either find a good reason, like any other adult, to tell him why I'm not gonna do this, and you know, I, 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 I had my hair, and I, I, mean, I don't think I care. I don't care about my hair, but I, I wasn't in any way, shape, or form close to getting my hair cut. Definitely not going bald. That was not on your plan at all. Not at all. And then, uh, yeah, I, I just did. I said, "You want daddy?" He said, "Yes." I said, "You sure?" He said, "Yes." I want you to look like me and Drake. All right, sat down and I was like, What the can I curse on this? No, no, yeah, sure, like, go ahead, go ahead, safe space, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, I was like, What the fuck did I get myself into, you know? And yeah, got the haircut. Um, 
and it it something happened, you know. We we I've always been close to my kids, but Shiloh Shiloh still talks about it to this day. So uh, hopefully it's a memory that he remembers. And even if he doesn't remember, I'm sure when he's old enough, and I'll show him pictures, especially in the digital and social media era that we live in, he'll probably get come back. Yeah, it's probably come back as flashes. So yeah, that, that's pretty much how, how it happened. Yeah. Why well, I ask that? Because it's such a terrific example of your character in terms of both, you know, presence, because you talk a lot about the people you surround yourself with and leading yep. by example. And yep. I'm probably stretching this, but seriously, that's two examples of both leadership and again, you know, support, because it's a very important chapter. And you stressed on this. It's a very important chapter in his life. Three hmm. years old, first haircut. Ever. And he's with his dad, with yeah. his hero, you know. So not only is he happy, he wants you to share, share in the experience. Exactly. And you could have done, you know, like you said, you know, the natural thing. Ah, you know, it's okay. Just have your fun. But the fact that he asked you, you clicked into that moment. So, you know what? It matters to him. I got, oh. I got to walk this line with him. That's exactly and it. I'm wondering, like, you know, also for you, you know, it's something that, like you said, it's, it's something that you can carry yourself as well. You know, for you, you know, probably just, okay, I brought my son to the, to, to the haircut. Okay, fine. But, you know, identifying the opportunity to even go beyond, you know, the line of responsibility. Mm. And that's something that's tremendous. And, you know, that's something, see, we're talk we're talking about this. And I truly do believe that that was an impactful moment in his life. Oh, I truly sure. do believe that. For sure. I, I agree with you, Olivier. I think it's, uh, might not know it now, but uh, yeah, it, and and the the rest of the day was just a phenomenal day. At at, at three and a half years old, young boys are very, you know, they're they so mouvementé, they're ruckus, they have a lot of energy, don't listen a lot. Uh, but the whole day, just had a we had a special day. It was really cool, really good times. How was it like being the eldest of ten kids? Actually, That's got to be something. I'm the eldest son. Yeah, yeah, I'm the eldest boy. I'm number nine on uh, on, on on a series of kids. An okay. Yeah, I have an older sister, Eleanor. Uh, okay. Leonor is the oldest. Uh, I'm the I'm the second. I, you know, like how can I say this? My father was born in Haiti. I uh, grew up mm-hmm. in Chicago, but he was born in Haiti. And uh, Haitian, you're Haitian as well, right? Mm-hmm. You are. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So my father had a theory that he's going to beat me, so he doesn't have to beat the rest of his kids, right? So he's going <laughs> to. <laughs> That sounds back. so familiar. Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna discipline you enough. Uh, he probably wouldn't like me using the term beating, but th- that's what he did, you know. And I'm a grown man now, and we, we, we talk about it. And mm-hmm. surprisingly enough, I, 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 you know, I'm the only one that played professional basketball. I'm the only one that, you know, as far as being an entrepreneur, that that got to a certain level of success. Everybody else is kind of working nine to fives, and they're doing very well. My whole family's doing doing good. But I, I think that the discipline that my father put in me as the oldest son, I don't know if I would have been the baby of the family, for example, that I'd be that entrepreneurial. I don't know that I have, uh, like right after me, my, 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 my brother right after me is definitely like a career person. He's never going to leave his career. He's never going to take risks. You know, he's not a risk taker. So I take the fact that I, I was beaten and I was disciplined, uh, put me in a, in, a, in a mind frame that if I actually put my mind to something, if I could take a meeting from my dad throughout my life, and if I could get discipline, which I applied in basketball, basketball, mm-hmm. you know, there's tons of people that are talented, but not everybody gets to play pro ball. And and, and the difference between both is usually uh, discipline. It's it's not, okay. you know, it's not how much you score one game or the other. It's It's people will judge you by your averages. So how much do you average all the time? And I was a very good average kind of guy always averaged 10 assists a game always averaged 10 points a game always had two wow. steals a game but I, I would never I would never be the guy that would get 35 40 points or um I did get a lot of assists like 20 assists 25 assists I did that a couple of times but never oh, really? oh, yeah. never the big points though never got the big points never so I was always a very if you put me on a team I'm going to lead the team I'm going to communicate and because of my discipline I always made sure that I did what I had to do so I would be at the right place at the right time to deliver the right pass, get the right steal, cut the right pass, get the right charge. And that translate, I transpose that into entrepreneurship. That's why when I compete versus other people, I'm like, they can't beat me because I am relentless and I'm disciplined. They did not go through what I went through. And I generally have that mindset where if we are given the same amount of funding, 
if we're given the same amount of support, which we are not <laughs> in this mm-hmm. day and age, you know, black, no, and, black and brown entrepreneurs don't get the same break. And that's why I, I believe that through my work ethic and my discipline, I'm able to outcompete anybody that I go up against. So that's what I think has, uh, has been a big part of my life. But yeah, growing the oldest son, that's pretty much what, uh, I think that, that was the edge that I got, the discipline from the my discipline. father. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's amazing. So I hear you talk a lot about, you know, the importance, not just of talent, because you've experienced it in professional basketball. And uh, the fact that there's a there's obviously talent has to do with it, but you do not leave out the importance of consistency. Because you talked about, you know, being efficient. You talk about being, you know, relentless, but also, you know, you have to understand your own strength and you have to learn how to be an asset. If what I understand. Yep. I I, I think that, consistency will always, always win. Uh, I was actually talking with Sharla the other day and we'll talk in texting back and forth. And he's right. Like, I think the difference between Sharla and, for example, his other co-host is Charla, Charlemagne is consistently putting out content. You know what I mean? Like Charlemagne was the, the first one to get the pod, into the podcast game after Angie. Actually, Angela Yee was first and then Charlemagne was second. But he stayed consistent with it. He stayed consistent with what he did with Andrew. And, uh, yeah, it's paid off now. And then from there, the book and then the second book. Whereas DJ Envy has been wealthy for – he's a very wealthy guy. But I think Charlemagne is resourceful where DJ Envy is, has resources. And I'd rather okay. be resourceful anytime and, more importantly, consistent. I don't think DJ Envy is not consistent. He's been as consistent as a DJ in his mm-hmm. industry, but Charlemagne, the guy, in my opinion, is a great example of what happens when you are resourceful and you stay consistent uh, with your programming, with your vision, because he went from literally nothing, like how he's an unknown guy that would just like, you know, barrage people with questions and kind of be like a shock jock. And then now he's more than a shock jock. He's probably one of the most influential hip hop. He's one of the most powerful voices on urban radio right now in the entire country, if not in you know, in, some, yeah, in hip hop. Correct, correct. Because when people, when pundits actually have to go on your show to make sure that they have Charlemagne's at least ear, not his opinion, not his approval, but at least his ear, Correct. chances are, you know, there's a reason for that. Yeah, and then that's it. Like, that's a great example of consistency and and and, and living your truth, obviously, which which he's, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a living proof of that and evolving. Always evolve, always evolve. Look at Gary, also another mentor of mine who's... Um, Gary today is not the same Gary three years ago, five years ago. Obviously, same energy, same hustle, grind kind of mentality, but not the same. Grant Cardone, same thing. Look at Will Smith. You want to talk about real oh, wow. evolution and consistency, like somebody that's been consistently great <laughs> and now is actually evolving into the 2.0 version of himself and becoming like um, an Instagram phenomenon. And, and and the be- the best example of this is um, one of my cousins the other day comes up to me. He's like, hey, Terry, uh, uh, cousin Terry, cousin Terry, do you know a guy named Will Smith? I'm like, boy, sit your ass down. I will, <laughs> I, I will tell you about Will Smith. You know what I mean? Let me tell you about yeah. Will Smith. But he's, he's, he's going through this entire generation. He's been exposed to this entire generation. And I call it the Walt Disney strategy. Walt Disney is, is so good at coming out with these iconic movies. And now if you think about it, they're just revamping everything they had that was actually animated. The entire catalog that was animated is now being transplanted into actual live movies, right? So in reality, they just have these great stories and they're just recycling them in live movies, right? Nutcracker, Mm -hmm. uh, Aladdin coming out, Lion King coming out, uh, all these movies, uh, Cinderella that, when we were kids, they had no choice but to draw them because of technology and, and effects. Were Obviously. There. And now but they're the vision re- transcended. There you go. But they're reinventing themselves and they're grasping a brand new audience by being consistently putting out great, great storytelling, which is the key. And Will Smith, I think, epitomizes this in real life as human being, not as oh, he is a business, but mm-hmm. as making the he's decision. Yeah, he's a brand. I was making the decision to, to reinvent because re- reinvent himself. Imagine if Brad Pitt did that. Think about this. Brad Pitt's oh, wow. not doing it. You know what I mean? Like Brad Pitt's not doing it. Uh, I, Tom Cruise is not doing it. 
Will Smith George made, Clooney. George Clooney, Will Smith made a conscious business decision to say, I will not be the slave of any other big production house ever. And it has nothing to do with black or white. It just means I will be the master of the content I put out, especially mm -hmm. in 2019 where you are. Look, look at you right now, me and you. In what world, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, are we on the radio recording a podcast that you can control who's going to listen to it, when they're going to listen to it, how good it's going to be, how bad it's going to be. You could edit, cut it, so on and so forth. Nobody at CBC would put you on. Nobody nope. at, at Quebecor would put you on. Nobody would put me on at these places. Yeah, I get to go on TV once in a while, but they, mm -hmm. they decide what I go on TV to talk about, right? Oh, Thierry, you're going to talk about real estate. Yeah, but what if I want to talk about black and brown struggles? What if I want mm -hmm. to talk about woman empowerment? What if I want to talk about the Me Too movement? I can't decide what I go on their platform to talk no. about. But you right now are consistently putting yourself on and you're at the forefront of what is going to be everybody's practice in a couple of years. In the next 10 years, everybody's going to have some form of podcast. And guys like you that are going to be consistent are going to be the OGs of this game And you're going to be the one that logically is going to eat everything uh, up. A little bit like Instagram. The people that yeah. started on Instagram 10 years ago at the very beginning, they all have millions of followers. Why? Because they were there at the beginning. does not matter if they were good or bad. They're just, they were there at the right time. Today, they're cashing up. And it's amazing the fact that you talked about that because, you know, the numbers have been out and even uh, Vox or the Washington Post or uh, certain media outlets have been uh, analyzing the stats. Podcasting is on the rise. For sure. Because for some reason, people are realizing, of course, a lot of apps, apps, it's all about apps now, right? Because people are realizing that it's a lot easier than it used to be. Yep. The broadcasting, the promotion, the recording and the publishing, it's all easier now. So it's a lot more streamlined. So everybody's getting on it. Everyone. Yep. And the Everyone data... Has The data on your plan also, it used to be that it consumed a lot of data. Now it just doesn't. And when, no, it doesn't. when cities, I was with the, the city of Montreal recently, and I was talking about uh, technological deserts. Like, we don't realize this, but there's some places in Montreal where, for some reason, the internet's a bit slower than others, right? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and obviously, those places are black and brown. Um, but in... in In, in hindsight, once Montreal truly becomes a fully technologically relevant city with Wi-Fi, for basic Wi-Fi, for at least for everybody uh, across the board, your platform is going to explode. Trust me, Oliver, it's going to be, it's going to explode based on the fact that people are going to start to, Google will, I was at Google last week, they're going to reward people that have been doing it for the longest time. It's a bit like uh, anything. There's always quality of content. There's longevity that plays a big part. And then there's obviously the audience. You will have longevity and logically you'll build your audience. Quality of content, your content's going to be for some people. It's not going to be for others. That's, that's just a fact. It's not going to be I've for everybody. I've accepted that for sure. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you'll have the first two ones, uh, the two ones knocked out. So uh, I have to applaud you for doing this. And I think that especially black and brown people, everybody that has some time, and that has a voice and wants their voice to be heard should get in a podcasting because we could decide what we could. I don't listen to any music when I work out or when mm -hmm. I walk to anywhere. I am 100% podcast. I, I literally don't listen to music anymore. It's a passive medium and you can actually get invested throughout doing so many activities as opposed to just sitting there for like a 45-minute clip on YouTube. And there's some terrific documentaries, some terrific talks. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still, you know, it's still an investment of your time and attention. Whereas podcasting, it's all over the place. You can do it driving, whether you're, on, you know, you're of course, like, you know, while you're shopping, you're working out, as you said, reading a book. There's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity there. And a lot of, uh, a lot of, if you will, digital real estate that a lot of people need to tap into. Great you know, point. So, um, I agree. I, you talk about transitioning in terms of, you know, redeveloping yourself and, you know, just, you know, re, rewriting your script, if you will. And I know uh, from some, uh, from some interviews that you gave, you went to Vanier. Uh, yeah. You got the scholarship uh, to play pro ball in in, in France. Yeah. Um, how long was that? How long was that? I played in France for a year and a half, two years before getting injured. Yeah. yeah after the injury, and that's what I was interested in because you mentioned that okay, you could have fallen into the hole of just like, well, I wanted to go pro professional ball, and now I have an injury, so there's nothing else I can do. But there was a mind shift. 
mm-hmm. because there's a lot of there's a lot of your talks where you talked about the fact that you know what everything happens for a reason, and I w- I just wanted to know like what would you tell Thierry going back in that time how to how would you advise him like you know what it's gonna be okay don't worry about this your future is gonna be phenomenal what type of talk would you have with him at the time? That is an excellent question actually I. I think I would tell myself to be patient, don't rush, trust the process. I think that everybody, when you're young, you want everything to happen fast. I think it's natural. We're, we're naturally impatient. At least I am. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, <laughs> I remember when I got injured, clearly asking myself, I wish I could fast forward 20 years from now and know that I'm going to be okay. I genuinely would ask myself that, like, if I could, and, and, and I'm so glad I didn't like, let's say if there was a red pill, blue pill, red pill, I fast forward and I'm okay. And blue pill, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll be healthy. And so on. So I think I would have taken the red pill and, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, a couple of years down the line now I'm, I'm where I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. You know, uh, a lot of times I, 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 I have friends that are in the NBA. I have clients that are in the NBA. I, I've been blessed that I've represented a couple of, uh, professional athletes and their real estate uh, projects. And I would never trade places with them. You know, like uh, I have genuine friendships. I, 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 I literally have people that I could call friends. I've created a tremendous amount of wealth for other people, normal people. When you get to the NBA and you make so much money fast, uh, there's a great documentary called Broke that was on Netflix for a long time. It's on YouTube now. Anybody that has a chance, you got to watch this. And there's a scary statistics that I, I, I know is true. Uh, none of my clients or my friends have gone through this. They're part of the exception that proves the rule. But 70% of uh, professional basketball and football players go, go broke after their NBA career or their NFL career. So, 70%? Yep, 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10 black and brown professional athletes playing football. You could look it up. It's a scary statistic. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And they either go out, they go, they either go bankrupt or they have to go get a, a normal job, a regular job. So, uh, you, you could think of somebody wow. like, Vin, yeah, Vin Baker that, that, uh, went bankrupt and made, you know, over a hundred million dollars in his career. And he was, he was a manager at a Starbucks last time, uh, we heard. So seven foot tall, you're, you're a manager at a Starbucks. You were a superstar. That has to have impact on your mental health as well. You know what I mean? So I think if I could go back in time, I would say be patient, trust the process. You will be fine. And more importantly, I would tell myself that basketball uh, should not be a priority, but it should be, it should be an objective, mm-hmm. knowing that I need to equip myself with other tools. Like, I I think I put all my eggs into one basket, which has been a strength at times. You know, I don't believe in plan Bs necessarily. I posted about this today, Gary, saying, you know, plan Bs will help, will will get you soft and make you, you know, not go as hard as you should. Uh, But not necessarily a plan B, but definitely equipping myself with other tools than just basketball skills. You know, I I, I was convinced that I was going to do this for the rest of my life. So, um Hindsight 2020, I started being an entrepreneur at the age of 19, 20 when I invested in real estate. By the time I, I got injured and retired from basketball, I had to start what I like to say my second career. And uh, I wish I would have been entrepreneurial or exposed to entrepreneurship at a younger age. But I'm, that, also, also, I'm fine now, so I'm, I'm definitely happy where I am. <laughs> so you wish you had started earlier even so? Like skip the entire basketball chapter? No, it, it, okay. it, I don't think basketball has brought a lot to me. Communication skills, leadership skills, uh, thinking of your teammates before you think of yourself, passing the ball first instead of scoring first. So all these like little things that I applied in my life. Um, but I maybe. think, I think I would have like, I would have done better in school. I would have focused maybe more at Vanier College. I would have made sure that, you know, um, I would have completed university. So instead of going to play pro ball, I would have taken the scholarships that I had at the time to go play D1. So all these things that, you know, if I, if I go play D1 ball, chances are when I graduate, um, I am either an entrepreneur or I'm going straight into entrepreneurship at a big, big firm somewhere. So a lot of things that I have slight regrets on, 
Mm-hmm. But overall, no. I'm I'm definitely happy that I I played uh, professional basketball and and uh, yeah, patience. I would have told myself back then, be patient, trust the process, and make sure you you uh, absorb as much information as you can regarding entrepreneurship. You're very big about you know your approach to life and your different ventures and you know your different projects with risk. You really go all in and you're all about that and i really do admire that but you know as you know there's a large part of people let's call them normal people who believe in the conservative approach and like you know let me be safe let me understand let me make sure that i know that this step is going to be a safe one and sometimes you know if i understand that you operate on this in the storm of what bejo's coolian of the empire podcast calls you know the gun to your head mentality so you're very big on that yep i i I was last week at Google, I, I, I gave a talk and, um, you know, I'm blessed enough now that I'm, I'm starting to do these a lot and I'm getting comfortable uh, sharing my, my truth and my story. And I, and I told people, I said, people in the crowd, they asked me, Terry, what advice would you give to anybody that is in between decisions regarding their professional career or, uh, you know, entrepreneurship? And I told them, I said, there's two types of people. And that's one constant reality I've noticed in business. There's people that take risk and there's people that work for the people that take risk, period, Uh period. And you got to decide which one you are. And there's not one that's better than the other. You know, when I say this, and that's what I said last week at Google, I said, I don't want you guys to take this as an insult if you're not the risk type, but you might want to collaborate or support somebody that's willing to take risk and has the courage to take risk and, and, and travel through their journey to the next Uber, to the next, uh, building the next Facebook, to building, you know, the next, uh, to become the next Spike Lee. And all these people have a team. I have a team. Trust mm-hmm. me, I got a team. But of all the people on my team, I'm the biggest risk taker. Okay. So if there is big rewards one day, it's, it would only be fair that I, I get the biggest rewards, which is not even what I'm after. I'm after impact. That's what I'm really after. I'm after, I've always uh, been curious about influence. Uh, how can you influence somebody? How come some people have more influence than others? That's always been like curious since I'm a kid. I've been uh, really, really passionate about what is the dynamic between human beings that would make someone do something. And for me, risk, what is, I still haven't figured it out beyond the fact that it has to do with DNA. Some people are just wired like that. What is it in me that I am addicted to taking risk. I actually, I'm, I was doing fine. I did not need to start Ray Max Griffin Town. Why, why would I start Ray Max Griffin Town? And then once I have Ray Max Griffin Town, I don't need to start Influence Orbis. Why do I start Influence Orbis? And then why do I start the Prosperity Acquisition Fund and, and I want to buy back, you know, gentrified neighborhoods? Why would I start My Voice Matter and pay kids to read books? Because I like taking risk and I like to have impact. So it's definitely something where you understand that core within yourself. And it's okay to understand that, listen, my way is not your way. And if you're okay with your nine to five, because again, I never hear you. I never hear you trash talk people. We're just trying to do the little thing, the little formula. I've never heard you bash on anyone, you know, just trying to do the regular everyday nine to five thing. I've never once heard you turn down, but you do invite people to look beyond themselves. You know what? Maybe you shouldn't consider another vision, another perspective. That's, that's what I hear from you. I, I totally, totally it, Olivier. I, I, I tell people literally this, get out your comfort zone, period. I'm never going to, if, if you are comfortable nine to five and you're going to die happy with no regrets, no regrets. That's the key. I'm going to die with tons of failures, tons. But my average will be a lot more winning. My bat average is going to be a lot more hits than than missed. That I promise you. I'm going to bat 51%. I will hit the ball 51% of the time. I will make a, my three-point shots. Whatever analogy you want to take with sports, my average is going to be better with the wins than the losses. But at the end of the day, I can say I tried. You know what I mean? I could be right now literally at KPMG and, and on my way to, to VP of something. But then I wouldn't be in control of my life. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't be able to say one day I want to be president of KPMG International, right? I couldn't control that part. That's not a part that I could control. But I can control saying when, I'm, when it's all said and done at 80, 90 uh, years old, when I'm on my deathbed, 
no way, shape, or form am I going to uh, sit there, cry, and be like, man, I didn't try that. I did it all. I, I started, I created jobs, gave people opportunities. Listen, when I started to be a real estate agent, that was 15 years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of black agents in Montreal, period. Really? I don't care what anybody says. There was not a lot of black real estate brokers in Montreal. Today, I challenge you to open your Instagram for more than 10 minutes and tell me you won't see somebody else but me doing real estate in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm like the, init- the ignition uh, for all these people getting in real estate. But what I do think, I do think that some way, somehow, I've inspired a, a, a generation of people to say, hey, here's this black or brown guy, whatever nationality he is, that's actually looking a lot more like me than the other Caucasian person doing it. And he's mm-hmm. actually successful. So if he can do it, I can do it. So I, I, I'm proud of that, that I've encouraged an entire generation of kids to jump into real estate, maybe without knowing who I am, but knowing somebody that knows somebody that knows, oh, there's this kid named Thierry Lindor. He, he founded Raymax Town. He was the owner. He tried to buy Raymax Quebec. They wouldn't let him buy it. But you know what? That guy, he's my idol. And that might be the cousin of somebody else that gets into real estate and then starts to get into it. So today I'm very proud to see a lot of black and brown people in real estate in Raymax, Royal Apache, Century 21. Not all of them are doing what I think they should be doing. That's mm-hmm. a different topic for a different uh, different day. But at the very least, uh, I hope these people do exactly like I did in a sense that they'll, they won't have regrets and they'll say, like, at least I tried it. Whether it works or not, that's irrelevant. To me, it's did you try it? Gary V said that um, in in, uh, in, a, in an interview he gave, I believe even to Charlemagne, he said that basically. He said, if there's at least one person, because the example that you give, because you are setting the example for someone, I don't care where you are, what level you are in your journey, you are setting the example for someone. If there's at least one person that looks like me doing it, yep, that's at least my validation that I can do it. Correct. That's one very important thing. And people don't, you shouldn't shy away from that opportunity. Yeah. To be inspired by at least one person. How did you start your podcast? I'm curious. Like your first I, podcast, your first time. My How? first, the first chapter was really, really weird. Um, uh, I think I've told this story before. Um, so the thing is, in a past life, <laughs> okay, I used to do, I used to do a lot of photography. And I also, and I was like, it was really a creative passion. And uh, I also used to blog about it. So I read, I was reading a lot of photography podcasts, learning a lot, getting a lot of forums, learning new techniques, learning about lenses and stuff. And I had a short blog and I used to basically write about it. Like, you know, this is some cool places in Montreal. This is this restaurant I like, you know, the entire photo blog thing, just me around Montreal. And, um, and just for the shtick of it, because I also have some photography friends, I used to, again, create a venture. I used to write written interviews of my friends, like, you know, my fellow photo friends. And just it was it was a win win type of thing. I used to practice my blogging and I would get their work out there. And somebody had the idea, well, maybe you should actually interview other people than, you know, your close circle. Like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. And let me try that. So I sent some emails out and lo and behold, some people said yes, including this one photographer out in California. Uh, his name was David, somebody I admired, and uh, he was doing a podcast in himself and like, you know, hey, uh, listen, your podcast been a big fan for years. Like, listen, I'm this dude in Montreal. I'm a big fan. And listen, I, I usually write interviews and, you know, here's some questions. If you if you don't mind, you're just, uh, you know, just answering them. I'd love to feature you. And he wrote me back. He's like, yo, these questions are so awesome. This should be a recorded podcast. We should make a podcast. We should make a podcast. But at the time, I had no idea, like, what are you talking about? Podcasts are, well, podcasts are like, you know, super media corporations and people are doing it for like for like 10 years. And, you know, it's like, I can't do a podcast. Like, why? But you know what? As weird as it sounds, I looked it up. I read it up. I, okay, how do you record Skype? How do you, how do you promote? How do you put it on iTunes? It's like, okay. So I had a period maybe like, you know, I told them like, okay, I don't know how to do this. But give me two weeks. <laughs> and I basically made it happen. That's so that's how I got started. That was the first version, you know, it was like, and again, that's where I failed me because the consistency basically is where I failed because it was, I was all over the place. I was putting way too much time and way too much effort trying to be too perfect. So eventually I lost steam. So I had to retire it. And uh, yeah, but that's long, long answer to a very simple question. I'm sorry. Got you. Got you. No, but I mean, that's, that's my point. Like you, you, you put in the work and then you made it happen. You know, you, 
you, you put yourself on it. And trust me, maybe you don't know it, but you might inspire one person that, that looks like you and that feels like there's no representation in media to, to start his own podcast. And that's, that's, man, Olivier, I get so many DMs, brother. <laughs> I get so many messages, brother. I, if anything, I said this the other day, I could die tomorrow. I swear to you, I've, I've gotten enough done in my life. My kids are going to be good. Uh, my loved ones are going to be good. They have enough real estate. They have enough everything. Um, and I lived a full life and I'm, and, and te- technically I could live another 70 years, at least 60. And, uh, I feel like I, I've lived, but I'm excited about the next 30, 40 years. The next 30, 40 years, I still don't know what I'm going to end up being, but I know, I know that it's going to be something passionate. I know that I'm going to take risk and I know that I'm going to inf- positively influence people and have impact in their lives. And that's, that's why I'm excited. But if I had to die tomorrow, I'd be happy. I wouldn't die with regrets. That is such a powerful affirmation, Thierry. And that's something that's so courageous and bold for you actually to say, because a lot of people are afraid of that, that, that personal truth. Mm. And I was wondering, how, has it always been something that has always been there for you since the age of 15, 19? Or is that something that you came into, you know, past definitely, the remax? That, past... that, no, that definitely came into. I, I used to be terrified to die. That, that was something I... To this day, my mom still remembers me like, uh, mom, I don't want to die. I would, I would, I would like, you know, I think everybody at a point in their life had a fear of dying. Actually, it happened to my, my daughter the other day, five, six years old. She came to me and she says, daddy, daddy, my friend at, at daycare said, I'm going to die. And I don't want to die because I want to stay with you and mom. And she said that when I die, I go somewhere else and yada, yada. And I remember, I remember watching Terminator 2 the movie Terminator 2. And mm-hmm. There was like a scene where kids are playing in, in the park. and then Yeah, the schoolyard, yeah. The schoolyard, and then there's a bomb, and then there's a bunch of... I remember, God, God knows why. My parents were probably crazy let me watch this, but I was maybe six, seven years old, and I remember seeing that scene and being like, man, I'm going to die. My parents are going to die. And then it stayed with me, man. I, I, I just had this... And maybe because I had an obsession to live my life to the fullest, I wanted to play pro ball. I believed I could when nobody told me. I'm not that, I'm five foot 10. So I'm not the tallest guy, but I just had this confidence in me and my, my talent. And I knew I was meant to do great things. So, um, yeah, I, I think because I was, I was so scared throughout my life, literally. And then I'd say maybe two, three years ago, I looked back and I took the time. I don't go on vacation a lot, but I was in Miami with a childhood friend of mine, Samuel D'Alembert, who I say, hi, I'm saluting if, if he's listening to this. I, I, um, and, and, and we were, we were toasting to the fact that we did okay for ourselves and, and we, we had created fond memories together and fond memories for ourselves and our loved ones. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not scared now. I'm not scared. And because I'm not scared, I think I'm dangerous. I'm dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I'm dangerous to the system. I'm dangerous to whoever, uh, whoever, uh, goes against me. Uh, not that I think about competition anymore, but, you know, I, I don't believe that I could be stopped. I believe tons of people probably, you know, are, are wishing for me to fall, but uh, I won't, you know, I won't. And I have that confidence in me. I, I won't fall. And I, and I, cause I got to do more. I got to do more, but I'm happy where I'm at today. How, because uh, you touched on it, because you've achieved so much. You've got an extraordinary portfolio. You've got an extraordinary catalog of achievements. And again, I want to talk about Influence Orbit just a bit because, again, for me, it was totally off my radar. And because the only reason I heard about it, and I apologize, it's not that you did a bad marketing no, job. No, <laughs> trust me, no. Because I had two uh, two of your speakers actually were previous guests, both Christopher Didion and Sven Stedemak, and they were both on the panel like maybe a week later. So I had never heard of it. Okay. And so again, for the people who've never heard of it. What is Influence Orbis and how did that, how did that seed germinate from your, from your head? How do we go from Raymax and say like, you know what? I want to create, you know, a panel for influencers and people like, how did that happen? I'm really curious. See, I, I don't really like the term, uh, influencers. I, I like to, I, I, I like to call, um, I like to call them people of influence. That's what I, that's what okay. I like, individuals of influence or, cause I think nowadays everybody and anybody is calling themselves influencers. Which okay. Is an embarrassment. Uh, you know, I meet people like, oh, what do you do? I'm an influencer. I was like, what does that mean? 
you know, what, what does that mean? <laughs> like, and who calls themselves an influencer? Like, I, I, I just don't get it. Because the term itself has been around, you know, influencers. The term itself has been around since the heydays, and it's usually been associated with politicians and influencers mm-hmm. of the political spheres and ecosystem. But I think in the recent years, somebody coined themselves influencers based on the social influence they have, and they they found ways to get paid and go to hotels for free and eat at restaurants for free. To me, I create an influence orbit to give a, a platform, but more importantly, to shine a light on industry leaders, real champions, real champions having impact in their respectful ecosystem and communities mm-hmm. and people that focus on bringing value to their communities and companies and, and employees and ecosystem instead of bringing values to themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you were somebody that was bringing value to others, then you were on my radar. And the first person I decided to bring to Montreal, because to me it was important to mix the local influencers, the local individuals of influence with the international one. And the first one that had a lot of impact on me and accepted my invitation was Gary. So I was like, if, if Gary has influence on me, I think I should share Gary with Montreal and with the rest of, of the ecosystem in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And it resonated with people. Like, I mean, first event ever, we had uh, 1,200 people. That was our first ever Amazing. event. Yeah, first ever event, 1,200 people. Um, with speakers? Gary V on the panel, that's that's a, that's a huge yeah. deal. Gary V a keynote. We had forty speakers. We had uh, eighteen sponsors. Uh, people just got on. They 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 got it. Like like they they catch it. And I always say, people, our mission is to inspire, inform, and influence. At the end of the day, we're a modern media company that happens to have uh, how can I say this? A signature conference and our signature conference has gotten like even bigger than the original mission because the, like I said, the mission is to become like the next vice. But instead of talking about, um, drugs, sex and war, which is what vice media talks about, we want to try, we want to talk about inspiration, um, you know, information and influence. We want to talk about these key things and always stay on the positive sides. Of course, negative sales. I mean, vice media is estimated to be worth $3 billion. Vice Media is a classic modern media Not too shabby. Not too shabby, yep. Forbes Media. A lot of people don't just know Forbes as, you know, the magazine. And that's fine. We're known for our conference, but we are a media company, a modern media company. And all these media companies, these traditional media, these Fox News and and these uh, CNN, these uh, Bloomsburg, these, all these companies are shifting towards what's called modern media era and if they're staying traditional by being on TV and by having still print media, trust me, they're buying out other companies. They are literally making sure that they're buying these smaller modern media company, such as Influence Orbis. That's what we are. That's what we do. Um, mm-hmm. We're very proud to put our stamp on the last uh, uh, Dominique Anglade. Um, uh, she, she, she wanted to do something in homage for her parents and um, to pay tribute to the, 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 the the, the, the victims of the Haiti earthquake. Mm-hmm. And uh, she contacted us, man. And I was proud of that. She contacted us. Hey, I've heard a lot about you guys. She had heard about us. She had spoken at our conference already. Uh, she had respect for what I was trying to do and accomplish. And she gave us the mandate to, to take her vision and then put it into uh, what I like to call, uh, you know, a content, a content viral content explosion. You know, I got thirteen hundred shares. It got seventy thousand views in in twenty forty eight hours. Yeah. So the letter that she wrote to her parents, uh, we, we put out the content on January twelfth, and it went viral. So these are the kind of things we're doing. We're doing the na- the National Black Summit this upcoming weekend. Uh, we're producing it as a modern media company with uh, the Michael Jean Foundation. That's happening. February, uh, February 3rd, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in, uh, Ottawa. It's the, the second year of the National Black Canadian Summit. It's going to be the biggest gathering of black minds, uh, in Canada, in the history of Canada. A. Amazing. Yep. And that's, uh, we were going to do Influence Ottawa and we're like, you know what? Why don't we collab and why don't we do something for Black History Month? Mm-hmm. We were about to do our own little conference called Melanin, but then we decided to join force. And, and do this partnership with uh, the Mikhail Jaw Foundation. So that's what Orbis is. Like I said, a bit like Forbes, we're not known for our magazine, we're known for our conferences, mm-hmm. but we really are a modern media company. 
It's amazing. And I love the way that, and thank you for, again, distinguishing the term, because you're very right in terms of people, it's just like, you know, entrepreneur. And again, with all respect with everybody doing their grind, okay? But at the same time, you have to understand, okay, what does it mean? Are you an influencer? Are you just trying to manipulate? Are you mm-hmm. trying to, are you a person of, in, of influence and trying to make an yeah, impact you know. and trying to elevate? Yeah, you know. yeah, so you there's, a, there's a great distinction in that. So thank you. And, you know, to all the people out there, trying to, again, grasp or maybe, you know, get out of the confusion of their own comfort zone and trying to step out of it, how would you inspire them? Or, you know, what words of leadership would you give them in terms of, you know, listen, living your purpose? Because you're very big about that. Living your purpose, finding your truth, and, you know, putting those steps in the right direction. How can we break away from the confusion, Terry? What do you think? I think think being, uh, you know... um... Gary talks about that a lot, like being self-aware, knowing your, knowing your strength, knowing your weaknesses. And you know what? I truly, truly believe in, um, in living your truth by knowing what you're good at. So that's self-awareness, but more importantly, by knowing what you're passionate about. Once again, I said this at Google. I said this at McGill the week before. I said this in DC, uh, uh, at the end of the year, 2018. Passion comes from the, uh, my father's a writer, so I'm big on words, and he used to tell me words have meaning, they have weight. Um, the etymology of the word passion comes from the Latin word pati, P-A-T-T-I. And pati literally translate, literally, the literal translation of pati is to suffer for. So when you say that you are passionate about podcasting, are you willing to suffer, Olivier, for being a podcaster? That would be my question to you. When somebody says, Terry, I love what you're doing. I want to be an entrepreneur. Are you willing to suffer for entrepreneurship? Terry, I love, uh, I'm passionate about video games. Are you willing to suffer, lose, lose, you know, lose time? So are you willing to suffer? So find out what you're passionate about and then, uh, live your passion. I think that when you, when you do these two things, you cannot fail as a human being. Period. Point blank period. If you're passionate about basketball, and I was, right? I could have became a coach. I could have became, but I just, I was not passionate. about. I was passionate about playing pro ball, but I was not passionate about uh, being a coach. I wasn't passionate about, um, about literally being a GM. Today, I'm passionate about owning a basketball team. And if there's ever a professional basketball team in Montreal, I think over my dead body, will I not be involved in some way, shape, or form? Even if it's owning 0.5% of the, the team, even if it's owning 0.001% of the team, I don't care. I'm passionate about that right now. And I know what it takes to get to that level. Um, and it's going to take a lot of, a lot of influence and a lot of impact, a lot of lives touched, a lot of people, uh, uh, talking about what I'm trying to do about the movement that I'm, I'm, I'm spearheading. And I think, I think we, we have something special. And by we, I mean my community, the community in Montreal. The people that believe in equity and equality and, and, and that, that, that are black, brown and white. I mean, I don't see uh, where color plays a huge part in my community at the very least. Because if you're part of my community, then you're a good person, point blank, period. You know, uh, I get messages, oh, Terry, sometimes you go too hard on diversity. Well, I don't think you're the kind of person that should follow me because you haven't seen nothing. I'm about to go even harder on diversity. <laughs> so if you... You have to speak your truth. You have you to. Go. There you go. So speak your truth. Be passionate. Find out your passion. Find out what you're willing to suffer for, because that's what it really means. And then uh, do it. Live your truth. Live your truth. So speak your truth. Live your truth. Find out what you're passionate about. Make sure you're willing to suffer for it. It's going to make the, the the going a lot less tough. You know, If you're not passionate about being a mailman, then don't be a fucking mailman. Don't be a mailman. Oh, a it's paying good, and I'm going to be retiring soon, and it pays well, and yeah, but uh, you're going to be miserable. So do what you're passionate about. It's so funny if it, you know to make the mailman analogy because I remember, I don't know, for some reason I randomly thought about my time when I was working at the Bell Call Center, Bell Canada. And okay. I had a colleague who would complain every single day on the show, oh, my God, the phones are ringing all over the place. But you're working <laughs> for a phone company. What do you expect? I'm like, what do you expect? You're working in a call center yeah, on the helpline for a phone company. How can you? I'm like, That's so, hilarious. understand the problem. Understand the problem here. Yeah. It's all about mind shift. Yeah. I'm sorry, it was just a random segue. I apologize. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but I know the evening is drawing out. I don't want to keep you too late. I really appreciate your time today. Um, as I like to tell all my guests, again, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, your wisdom and availability. But of course, um, you know, your genuine message of empowerment, strength, and truth. You do not shy away from letting all of us know that we do have the potential, ability, and choice to yeah. change our chapter and change our direction. So I really, really want to thank you for that because if you don't get enough DMs telling you thank you, but at least this is one more uh, added, you know, to that streamline of positive energy and, you know, just total empowerment that I really want to thank you for because it's something that is impacting a lot of people, certainly me. And uh, I can only wish you and yours, you know, all the best of success and ongoing greatness, because as you say, you know, you're not chasing the money, you're chasing the greatness. And yep. I see nothing but greatness from you down the line. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you. Um, what else I want to say? Uh, just like to close off for all my guests, I just like to leave the floor open, you know, just a kind word, a quote, a positive thought, just a call to action that people can wake up tomorrow, maybe. And, uh, you know, take that next step towards the next level. You know, if you had anything to share. Um. Yeah, I mean, I said it. There's people that take risk and, and people that work for people that take risk. But, I mean, that, that one's a bit um, a, a bit too easy. Uh, I talked about passion. You know what I'm going to talk about, which I'm, which I'm, very, uh, I'm very big on now? Uh, Fred, Frederick Douglass said this, and it's so true. He said, it is easier to raise a strong child than to repair a broken man. And I'm going to wish for everybody out there to make sure that you are conscious of the things you say around our youth and around the next generation of change makers and thought leaders and stay conscious regardless of your age uh, of the impact and the influence that you have on people. Because once again, it's easier to raise a strong child than to repair a broken man. So it's not because you've been hurt or you're broken somewhere, somehow, that you should not feel um, like you should not be part of raising the next generation. So raise strong children around you, stay forever young, stay creative and stay passionate. Thank you so much, Jay. Guys, Tegrando, my guest, our CEO and founder of Influence Orbis, My Voice Matters, real estate champion. <laughs> it's amazing all these things that you guys are doing. Please follow him on Instagram. I'll definitely link up all the social media links and all the content, all the relevant information on uh, on the blog post for this episode once it goes live. But Thierry, I do believe that uh, mo the best place to find you is on Instagram, right? Thierry Lindor? Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, is not necessarily me. It's the team managing it. But mm -hmm. you could hit me up if you have anything on definitely on Instagram. I actually make sure that I uh, participate in the whole DM conversation. So hit me up, people. Uh, Stay influential, man. Stay stay happy, stay smiling, and then stay influential. Thank you so much, Siri. Guys, again, with all the love and all the greatness, thank you so much for your time and, and uh, listening to this other episode of the, the Awaken the Awesome podcast. I am your host, Odivide, wishing you a terrific evening. And I always, as Siri said, stay influential, and I'll let you know that you can always stay awesome. Have a good Take evening. Take care, brother. Have a good one. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We do love to get your feedback, so please drop us a line. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review. We always do appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.